Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And this week, in honor of Indie Bookstore Day, we're bringing you a bonus episode. Back in February, we hosted our Winter 2023 Reader Retreat, and one of our retreat events is always a live From the Front Porch podcast recording. For our February episode, I talked with podcast regular Hunter McClendon about books we wish our favorite authors would write. And then we ended our conversation by answering New York Times by the book questions with frequent podcast guest Ashley Sherlock as our moderator. Obviously, the sound quality is always a little different with these live episodes, but I hope you enjoy hearing our insights as well as the fun we have when listeners are in the room with us. If you like what you hear, consider joining us for our live podcast event in June. The event is part of our June Reader Retreat, which is sold out. But we're selling a few general admission tickets to the public for the podcast show. We'd love for you to join us as we host our Eric Thomas and Carrie Winfrey. Tickets are available on the Bookshelf website at www.bookshelfthomasville.com. Before you listen to the episode, don't forget that this weekend, Saturday, April 29th, is Indie Bookstore Day. This annual celebration of indie bookstores is a nationwide event, so even if you're not local to the bookshelf, I hope you will consider visiting an indie bookstore near you. I'd like to think that indie bookstores like the bookshelf are anchors in their communities, places to seek refuge when you need a place of welcome. As is the case with any small business, shopping at bookstores like ours ensures we remain in our communities for years and years to come. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for your continued support of From the Front Porch and our independently owned bookstore in Thomasville. This weekend, when you shop online and order a surprise box valued at $50 or more, you'll receive a free new art print by Lindsay from the Georgia-based stationery brand Pen and Paint. Lindsay is a dear friend, and she has designed some of our most beautiful pieces and beautiful merch, and that includes our new line of merch that we are debuting in time for Indie Bookstore Day, It's all designed by Lindsay, t-shirts, tote bags, maybe a hat or two. It is all so cute, fresh, and new, and we are excited to debut it on Indie Bookstore Day weekend, both online and in-store. In-store customers, we are going to have all kinds of fun festivities happening on the bricks in Thomasville, including, of course, story time, free hot dogs. I love a free hot dog, y'all. A local author signing with Joe Cargyle a bookshelf bake-off with the bookshelf staff as we compete with new recipes from the new Milk Bark Cookies cookbook, and an all-day scavenger hunt. 10% of our in-store and online purchases this weekend on Saturday, April 29th and Sunday, April 30th, will go to Read, Write to Lead, which is a literacy program for school-age kids from Georgia-based nonprofit Boy with a Ball. All of this information can be found in the show notes, and we just hope that you will either join us this weekend in celebrating Indie Bookstore Day, or that you will find a local bookstore to celebrate and honor near you. Now, enjoy our conversation on books we wish our favorite authors would write. Happy listening, and we will see you, I hope, this weekend. And tonight, we're coming to you live. (laughs) We're coming to you live from our February 2023 Reader Retreat, 
I am joined by my friend and frequent co-host and fellow reader, Hunter McClendon. Hello. <laughs> So we, uh, we, I thought a lot about what I wanted to talk about today, um, and I sent Hunter a few topic options, and what we decided we really wanted to talk about, I think may have actually been a recommendation by a previous reader retreater, maybe, um, but we decided we wanted to talk about books we wish our favorite authors would write. So if we could imagine what our favorite authors could write, what do we wish we could see from them next? And Kind of, I thought about this because of not only the recommendation of a reader retreater or a podcast listener, but because Rebecca Mackay has a new book coming out um, in just a few weeks, I think. Um, she's the author of The Great Believers, um, but her new book is like a campus novel with like a podcast mystery element, which feels different for her. Yeah. And then Curtis Sittenfeld has a new book coming out this summer that is fine uh, called, uh, called Romantic Comedy. That's right, yeah. And that is a departure for her. And so it made me think, well, what, what are some other things some of our favorite authors could do that we might really enjoy? And so that was the topic Hunter picked. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So. Now, this is like, I have this weird obsession with not just thinking about like brainstorming ideas for authors I love, but also sometimes like there's books that I, I like or wanted to like. And then I'm like, well, imagine if this other author had written it. Yes. And that'd be so fun. Yes. They could have done it maybe Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so before we get started, I do feel like I need to say that Hunter and I, when we record, um, we record virtually. We used to record in person. The pandemic changed that. So we record virtually from one another, and we get on Zencaster, <laughs> and we talk for an hour, and then we hit record. And so this is different. <laughs> you are getting us without, I like that, I don't know, we talked a little bit before, but this yeah. is unique. Where no, we're... this is like fresh, like, you know, like, yeah, I haven't like, typically like, I'll like, when we start recording, I'll be like, here's all the hot gossip, yeah. here's everything that's happened, yeah. so like, so it'll probably just like spread it. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. This could be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Would you want to go ahead and start with your first author and your first book? Okay, so I, uh, my first pick was Karen Russell, who wrote Swamplandia. She's written several short story collections, including The Empires in the Lemon Grove. Um, someone once described her uh, prose as, like, gymnastic and, like, people doing backflips off the page. And I love that. And I, uh, I... Do you remember that book Holes that's like about the boys who go to this like prison? Yeah. Or like, well, not prison, but like the whatever it is. Yes. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a Shia Yes, yeah. the Shia LaBeouf yeah. movie and the Disney movie. I loved the movie. I haven't seen it in years, but I loved it when I watched it. And I loved Karen Russell. And I read the book and I thought, I wish this was like written for adults. And I wish that this had like beautiful, like Southern Gothic type prose, mm. like, you know, like something called Mary, whatever. And I think that Karen Russell could write something along those lines, like, very, very well. And elevate it for adults. Yes. I, I feel like Karen Russell is somebody we have not heard from in a while. And yeah. I, I, we need something new. Well, she did She did Orange World, that short story collection back in, like, 2020, but, like, yeah. it kind of, like, underperformed. Well, it was pan that was a pandemic yeah. bust, I'm yeah. afraid. And short story collections are a hard sell. Oh, they are. Yeah. They are. And she's been working on this, like, last novel for, like, a decade, and I'm like, girl, chip chop, I'm waiting <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I feel like that would be, I think it would be fascinating to give our favorite authors, like, children's lit and have them write the adult version of yeah. that. I do think that would be interesting. Um, okay, my first one is an author who we also haven't heard out of in a minute, and yeah. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because her debut, in my mind, was so, so beautiful and so brilliant. But it's Fatima Farheen Mirza, who wrote um, A Place for Us, which is one so of my good. favorite books 
I think of the last 10 years, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know. It came out, I think, around the same time. 2018. As like, wasn't that Station 11? That was a good year. That was the year that uh, There There came out. Yeah. And, yeah, which, which, yeah. yeah. It was so just good. a really good year for literature. And so I really loved that book. But one of the things I loved about that book was obviously it's dealing with the themes that I typically gravitate towards, right? Um, maybe traditions and family, kind of sort of dysfunctional family, but also a family that really loves each other. But um, talking about... Um, kind of growing up in this immigrant household and what it means for these different generations of people. So also dealing with faith and doubt, but in this case, not Christianity. So something new to me and interesting to me, dealing with the Muslim faith. And I really appreciate that. So I thought, what would I like to see her do next? And I think what I really want is I want somebody actually here, we love this phrase so much, we built an end cap around it, but like this idea of rich people behaving badly. And we, I want like a rich people behaving badly story out of her, kind of like maybe Crazy Rich Asians meets The Nest, which The Nest is a book that I really liked but also wanted more. Yeah. Uh, and so I feel like I really would like to see her do something a little more fun. Like I really liked A Place for Us, but that book is um, really beautiful and kind of lands heavy. Like it yeah. is deeply moving. And so I think it'd be interesting to have her try her hand at lighter fare. Oh, I agree. I also, I just had like a flashback to the last paragraph of A Place for Us, which I won't spoil, but that last paragraph, it is about like this father and son. It's the father and, and son. I wept. <laughs> and I'm like, now I'm like back in the... Well, we did so talk good. about you earlier today. Uh, we read, as a reader retreat, we read Burial Rites together. Oh, yeah. And I referenced the fact that you and I have had the conversation many times that if a book makes us cry in the last five pages, automatically five stars. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. If you land the ending, good for yes, you. That's because hard. some books don't land the ending. Most books don't land the ending. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's rare when one does and it kind of covers a multitude of sins. Yes. Um, but so that's what I would like to see from Fatima Farheen Mirza. Is mm -hmm. I... She, I, I need her to write something else. Like, I, I will. She's she's dating that guy who's like an she's married nominee. to him. Marry him. Yeah. yeah. Which like a beautiful couple. Yeah. I maybe that's all we need. I don't know. I'd be happy. You know, like sometimes like pretty people. That's all I need. <laughs> Fine. Um, yeah. Fine. Okay. Who got next? Okay. So I'm gonna like I'm gonna do a two, I'm gonna do a quick two one. I'm gonna do one that's a breeze and one that's like more in depth. But okay. I want Mary Carr okay. to write uh, my memoir now. <laughs> because because I wrote it and I was like oh I wish she wrote it uh, but like no I like it's so funny I like I saw my mom today and I and she was talking her her grandmother is ninety eight and it's the only she said it's the only thing stopping her from like getting to her inheritance um, and like and we're like a poor family so we're asking about money and my mom said she goes I don't wish her dead but I don't want her to suffer. And, <laughs> And I thought, I was like, Mary Carr would do so well with this. So we have, Mary Carr doesn't need to do anything with it. It's, it's it. That's it. That's it. it. That's it. Yeah, your yeah, mom wrote it. I, right. I was like, I was like mom, mom, write this down. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you yeah. You it down. I know. Oh, I have. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I was like, let me put this in my notes out. Um, no. So I'd love for Mary Carr to, to just... Take, like, maybe fictionally. Yes. Like, tweak your memoir. I think that she and I could, like, write a companion. You know, like okay. a... Yeah. She could go straight. There we go. Yes. <laughs> um, and then, like, the other thing that's, like, that is actually written down is um, I want Hanya Yanagahara to write something along the lines of The Devil Wears Prada. This is what I'm talking about. Take these literary authors and give them something a little lighter that yeah. they can then elevate and make it really fun, but also really well written. Could you imagine her doing, like, because here's the thing. So she's like a, she's like a style editor at uh, some magazine, mm -hmm. and she's very known for like having like really great taste. I follow her on Instagram and everything she shares is like amazing. And the way she writes about art and culture, even her fiction is really brilliant. And I would love to see her write 
something really juicy and just like campy and very Miranda Priestly type stuff. Like I think I think that like I could see it being more like the movie and less like the book. Because like side note, I don't actually like the book. The book is not. It's not. Good. Isn't that weird? It's not as good as the movie. No, it's really not. Hot take. I don't know. Is that, it? I don't know. Probably not. Hopefully not. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. We've talked a lot about this weekend. Donna Tartt. Uh, it's come up as a favorite author for many folks in this room. For Olivia, I know Secret History is one of her favorite books. I adore Secret History. I adore The Goldfinch. We did we see The Goldfinch together? Am I making that up? We did! Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're right, we did! It was, like, it was so long. It was so long. <laughs> and not particularly good. <laughs> but the book is great. Uh, and so I love that book. Um, what I think Donna Tartt does really well is kind of creating these worlds. So in The Goldfinch, she really wrote beautifully about the art world and this museum and, uh, and kind of this heist. And, and then for Secret History, she writes this great campus novel. And I thought, you know what I really want? What I really, really want is a book about the competitive world of dance from Donna Tartt. I would Thank love you. Okay. Thank you. Or okay. cheerleading. I take cheerleading. So like Megan Abbott meets... Megan Abbott meet, but Donna Tartt take it away. Yes. Like that's what I want because I love, and I don't know, I've asked Olivia about this. So Olivia is very humble, but she literally like lived in New York and was yeah. a dancer. <laughs> okay. She's very talented. She injured herself and now we benefit. <laughs> uh, and so she, she's amazing. Um, but I've asked Olivia before, like, how do you feel about dance books? And she's like, I don't, I don't read them. I lived that for so long. Like I'm not interested. Yeah. Okay. Not a rhythmic bone in this body exists. Not one. Not a single one. Ask, ask anyone. Uh, and so, but I am so invested in stories about dance. I think yeah. about um, Astonish Me by Maggie, yeah. by Maggie Shipstead, one of my favorites. Um, I think about The Ballerinas, which came out a couple years ago and was way better than I think anybody gave it credit for. I really liked that book. And so I want to see Donna Tart like yeah. deep dive well, and into this world. They're going to love you is also about dance. Yes, yes. And did so you read the turnout? The yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yes. So you yes. name it. I read it. Okay. Because yes. I can't do That's it. Scary. It's That's not scary. if you can't teach, it's no, if yeah. you can't read. Also, like, I'm really, I'm sorry, but I also just can't get over this. Like she like Annie has basically admitted that she Tanya Harding's Olivia to get her to read the book stuff. I'm shocked. Um, I think I, I think I am Nancy Kerrigan. I'm concerned. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, like, like, like Olivia. She's like Olivia. She's like Olivia injured herself, and we got her. Don't know how that happened. Like, and then made her move from New York. Yeah, to yeah like this is not this like long like, long. No, I bet. Yeah, but I would love. Uh, I love. Would you read that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think about who, like, like. Um, yeah, and it, it, it would be like a thousand pages long. Yes, which and I like, want. Yes. I want it. Yeah. Give it to me. Same. Yeah. I okay. Think more. All right. Okay. Um, the next, it's so funny because like my like my last two picks are like inverse of something, but like uh, I want Jasmine Ward to write like a Fates and Furies s like book about marriage that is just right, but like and I want it to be sprawling. I want it to be. Um, current I want it to be just like all of these things I just think that she I, I love her prose I love the way that she writes characters I love the way that she builds worlds and I just think it would be just 
Well, and I, I think this is fascinating because you're obsessed with infidelity. I think it's yes. time for me to say that. <laughs> and I, love, I think it's interesting that you didn't write Jesmyn Ward writes a, a book about an affair. You wrote Jesmyn Ward writes a book about marriage. Yes. Is that true? Do you really want that, or do you want? No, I want. I think you know. Listen, <laughs> I love to read books where people don't have affairs too. Sure, that's fine. Like if they have an affair, all the better. Um, I have not, I have yet to have an affair. I have been plotting one. It's not happening. So I'm so frustrated. My husband's right here. Um, but but no. But I but I if she. But I don't know. No. No. Oh gosh. Maybe you're right. Maybe I do. Want, oh no. I want just a word to read right about having an affair. You called me out. I'm sorry. That's true. That's true. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, okay. Now this is interesting because I did not I did not see your notes until okay. until now. So I. Much like you, I like Southern Gothic yes. um, fiction, but I thought, I want Yaa Jesse. Mm-hmm. I, I love both books she's written, and I like them both because somehow she did Homegoing, which was this big, epic, right, sprawling story, and then she also did Transcendent Kingdom, which was, like, microscopic about one family, yes. one sibling set. Like, I love both, and I want a book set a Southern Gothic book set in an all black community in Florida, Mm -hmm. meaning like their eyes were watching God meets Swamplandia. That is like, that hits the sweet spot. Like, don't you want, I want Oh, I like, I'm literally going to tweet her and be like, (laughs) we talked about this. Like, I will give you credit. Yeah. Thank you so much. Because here's the thing. She was born, she was not born in Huntsville, but she was raised in Huntsville, Alabama. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to unpack there. And I feel like I would really love a story. Um, I have not finished it yet, but Moonrise over Jessup is like historical fiction about an all black community in Alabama. But I want like present day, like I'm, I'm interested yeah. in what she could do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's done the big sweeping story. She's done the microscopic kind of like, um, mother, daughter, sister, brother kind of story, mm-hmm. but now do like a neighborhood or community story. Right. Yeah. That's what I want. That's so good. Should I just pitch books for a living? I think you should. Because I, that's so funny because I have like I have like vague ideas, and all of yours, I'm like, oh wait, I actually do want this. Forget writing. I'll just do pitch books, and I'll quit the book. What? Don't, like, okay, she's gonna like like you're you'll you'll write you'll write a lot of things. It's okay. I'm ready. Um, this this one was just like I can tell that I um I have an obsession with Little Little Mermaid, uh, mermaids in general. Um, I just feel like you know live your fish fantasy. And I thought, what if Lauren? So, like, I like I I had the I had the privilege of interviewing Lauren Groff last year. Um, she and I'm obsessed with her, and she mentioned wanting to write a book that kind of sounded like Gravity. I didn't call her out on it because I was like, this sounds like you're describing the movie Gravity. Or something. <laughs> um, but like, but I was like, yeah. it's been done. You know, I was like, she's like, she goes, I want to write this like horror novel. It takes place in space. It's kind of existential and like just floating. And I was like, oh, like Gravity. Um, but I would love for her to do like her take on like the little bit which I guess kind of we, I, I was about to say like uh, I was little, I feel like I'm literally describing our wives under the sea <laughs> you want her to write our wives under the sea basically which I still feel like is actually but like I do feel like they're very like uh, yeah so that's so I just realized I, I already have a book um, <laughs> but I, I do still want her to write like a very like uh, about sister mermaids or like or could it be like could it be a campy splash <gasps> yes oh yes you were so good. No, you're so good at this. <laughs> it's fun. Oh my gosh. It's like Mad Libs, but better. Oh, I'm living. Okay, you know, there's a new book coming out in March called American Mermaid. 
and it looks excellent. I have the I have the yeah. advanced reader copy at home, so it might it might fit the bill for you. I don't know. Okay, next up, and I don't know. This is to me is my most controversial selection. Okay. Because I don't know how people feel. Um, but I actually really do like B.J. Novak's writing. Mm -hmm. I like the movie he just did um, that was set in Texas. I really liked it. I loved his short story collection. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about B.J. Novak the person. Um, but I do really think he's a good writer. It's from The Office, right? Yes. That's the one. Okay. Yes. Yeah, okay. Ryan. Yes. Yes. Ryan. Who sometimes I'm like, I'm afraid I'm like Ryan. But pre-drugs. The pre-drugs. <laughs> I don't think I... Because he was so... Um, like him in like the like him in like the, the first, first season. Yeah. I, because anybody who starts a new job is like Ryan, I think, at the beginning. Okay. Anyway, yeah. And it's neither here nor there. Um, okay. So B.J. Novak wrote one more thing. Great mm -hmm. short story collection. Um, but you know, and this isn't just because of the Mindy Kaling of it all, mm -hmm. but I really do want him to write, because I don't think we get a lot of these, and maybe this feels weird to say as a woman. I want a man to write a romantic comedy. That sounds so controversial. I'm so sorry. Uh, but I want a man to write a romantic comedy like When Harry Met Sally, mm -hmm. which Rob Reiner famously like helped. Nora wrote that, yeah. no doubt. Don't hear me say otherwise. Uh, but she based it on Rob Reiner's friendship and character. So I want B.J. Novak to write a romantic comedy from the man's perspective in the vein of When Harry Met Sally. That's what I want. I, I think I really would. I think I would like it. I'm afraid if I got it, I would hate it. Um, but because I'm very picky about my romantic comedies. Yeah. But if it's got comedy. Right. And, and, and banter. My friend Kimberly, who is, could not be here tonight. She said, oh, Annie wants, all she wants is banter. That's all I want in a romantic comedy. And that is true. I don't need anything else. Nothing it's what's well, so funny. We talked about like romantic comedies because uh, I, I read several last year, mm -hmm. and you talked about how you like romantic comedies. You've discovered you don't really like romances. Correct. And I realize it's so funny because also if you're part of the romance community, please do not attack me. I have learned they are like they are like very serious. They're like like I I'll, like I, like you'll describe something and be like oh this is the like rom com. They're like no no no. Oh, no, they no. correct you. They're like that's not correct. Yeah, we get the I get some DMs. Yeah. yeah, and so, but, but I've learned, I have been told that I do, I like, uh, and it's the same thing, I think. I think it's just that, like, when they have well-written banter, it is very charming, and it's like... And I really don't need anything. I really don't yeah. need steam. I've said it before. Mm -hmm. I will say, I don't need it. And what I want is a meet-cute and banter. And Curtis Settenfeld, I thought, was going to give me that, and she did not. Did she give you steam? No. She didn't give me any. What's the point? <laughs> <laughs> I thought Curtis Sittenfeld was going to take the genre and turn it upside down yeah. and do something fun, and instead it's just a subpar. She can't be trusted. She can. I really like her. I've only I've only read uh, nothing by her. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, you're one of those. Yeah. I'll give you my opinion. Like Opinions with no, <laughs> yes, no, no backing. Um, okay, do you have any? I think that was it. Yeah. That was it for me, yeah. It. Okay, we did it. That was part one. We're done. Her that was it. <laughs> So the next thing, when Hunter and I were kind of talking and I was uh, messaging Ashley, we decided we wanted to bring back a segment that we did, I want to say back in 2019. Like, I don't think we've done it since then, but I could be wrong. But basically, taking the New York Times by the book questions and answering some of them together. So Ashley is here as our moderator, <laughs> and she is going to ask and answer some on her own as well. Um, but she's going to ask us some questions, which it is my dream. Is it true? I would love to be featured in by the book. Oh, I think you do really well. I, yeah. I think I think I would have such good answers. Can I write a book to get me there? I don't know, but I yes. think I'd be a great interview. Would, <laughs> would you guys not? I mean, if she wrote an essay collection, 
Come on, right? Listen, if you just po- if you just published your uh, your Instagram captions alone, you would sell like like hotcakes. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that coming from a published author yourself. <laughs> okay. Okay. First question: What books are currently on your nightstand? Okay, um, I have changed a lot in my latter years, which is I don't keep a lot of books on my nightstand anymore because it can be overwhelming. So right now I have three. <laughs> I try to really keep one, but I'm reading Little Women, um, and I'm almost done. I'm doing that um, Cheer Her On weekend next weekend, and I, I've been reading a chapter every night, which has been delightful. But Little Women is almost done, and so I've added to my nightstand. I want to make sure I got, got this right. I've added um, This Day, which is the Wendell Berry um, Sabbath Poems collection, which I'm going to be reading um, through Lint, and then The World Ending Fire, which is an essay collection by Wendell Berry, because this is my Wendell Berry year, and I do want to obviously dive into this fiction. That was kind of the whole point, but I really think just reading an essay at a time before bed could be really lovely. Um, yeah, to kind of mimic the little women thing that I've been doing. So those are the three, but it's about to be two. So that's yeah, that's good. Yeah. I have three books that I've already read, uh, but I'm rereading for like research purposes, studying them. But uh, I'm it's Wonder Boys by Michael Shabin, uh, which the writing is stellar in that. Uh, Edinburgh by Alexander Chi, which you have to read because I know, I I know you're going to love it. Um, and then History of Wolves. I, I read it. You did read that, yes, yeah. I liked and it. I, and it's so funny, the first time I read it, I was like, this is fine. And then I was rereading it, and I was like, oh, wait. I was, like, sometimes I think that, like, I like whenever you, like, grow as a reader, you start to realize, like, oh, wait, maybe I just didn't get it before. And that's kind of what's happening now, is I'm like, oh, no, I didn't get it before, and now this is actually really good. The writing and is so good. It is so good. It's yeah. wintry setting, right? Yeah. Um, I think there, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's a scene in that book, um, and because I obviously did not grow up anywhere where there was cold weather, mm-hmm. there's a scene where she doesn't dry her hair, and her hair turns into icicles, and uh-huh. I've never forgotten it. <laughs> yeah. It's very vivid to me, so I really yeah. think the writing is excellent. It would, go, it would be a good accompaniment to burial rites, actually. Okay. Yeah. Much like you read an essay before bed, Mary Oliver's devotions mm. stays on my nightstand because the poem before bed keeps keeps the nightmares away. <laughs> <laughs> That's smart. Okay. Fight the anxiety of poetry. Exactly. Yeah. Hunter, what is the last great book you read? I just recently read a memoir by Annie Arnaud called A Frozen Woman. And it's about her uh, it's about her growing up with a very like strong, powerful woman uh and then a father who like was kind of like the domestic role and it's kind of like and it, they were kind of challenging these like political gender norms or whatever like throughout like uh her like childhood and how that like these ideas of of, of like like whatever it means to be like a man or woman were kind of like all broken down for her and then like and then whenever she fell into an early marriage she discovered that she was now being pushed into this domestic role and kind of like that, how that dynamic shifted and what those expectations are. And I think that's really... So Annie Arnav keeps being recommended to me by a couple mm-hmm. of people, but I've been hesitant where to start. Would that be a good place to start? I think A Frozen Woman is not only one of her more accessible books that I've read, it is also the one that is not as... Like, she deals with some heavy topics a lot for other ones, but this one's... This one just... It's more accessible, okay. a little bit lighter... And uh, because you got somewhere, you're like, oh, like I'm traumatized from this. Yeah, okay. that's a good one. Okay. 
Oh, what's the last great book you read? Um, okay, so to me, that is a actually a hard question because great book is not the same as good book. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, great book translates to most memorable. That's what I think. Yes. Like what book? A great book is one that sticks with you. So truly, the last great book I read was Stealing by Margaret Verbal, which I think is going to be in my top ten of twenty twenty three. It's still early, obviously. It's mid February, um, but I have not. I don't actually think I've read. I've read some five-star books, but even that is not the same to me as a great book. To yeah. me, a great book is like like A Place for Us or like Station Eleven. Like those are great books. I think you're gonna stick with me. I bought Stealing because Oh good. Yeah. I think yeah. you'll I think you'll really like it. So far, I think that that is the best answer to the question for me. All right, Annie, describe your ideal reading experience. When, where, what, and how. Mm. Okay. It is either uh, outside, either like sitting, it's somewhere outside always, but it could be outside in my backyard, um, by my pool, uh, with a Coke or lemonade and, um, with, under a quilt. So like, it's not too hot, uh, not too hot, not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. It, you know. yeah. uh, and so, and so that would be it for me. I also love reading on a plane. I think adding Wi-Fi to planes is stupid. Don't we don't need it? We don't. I don't want that. Nobody asked for that. I don't need it. I want to pretend like I don't exist to anyone else when I'm on a plane. Uh, and so I love reading on a plane. Um, love reading in an airport. I love reading by the beach. But it's mostly outside is what I prefer. When it's a beautiful, I think people who grew grew up around here or live here know like there's about uh, three weeks in the fall <laughs> and three weeks in the spring, yeah. and they are why we live here. <laughs> the other eleven months of the year, um, and reading outside to me uh, is so is so perfect and ideal. I was gonna do the whole April third, like it's like you took it. I know you took it. Okay. Um, I um, I'm trying to think. I, it's so funny because I feel like I just read everywhere now. I feel like I'm just like it, that. You know what it's like. You have to like yeah. you have to find the time. And but I think that my favorite time to read is actually at this point. It's so funny. I like to read uh, when I only have like five minutes now and little like uh, mm -hmm. like during a lunch break. Or my favorite place now is like I do cross in the mornings and I get there like obscenely early and I just sit there while everyone else is working out and like and they're all suffering and I'm just like enjoying these like beautiful words and it's like and it's, and it's like and it's like it's kind of like when you're at a coffee shop and it's just enough noise to where it's like not distracting but it's like it kind of like that's how I feel I've said this before but that's how I feel about reading with a football game on or a basketball game on I yes. love the squeaky tennis shoe sound yeah. um and I love having that while I'm while I'm reading, like just a little bit of background noise. Yeah. I actually don't like total silence. Same. Yeah, I, but I but I also don't like too much music because then I sit alone. Okay. I don't I don't see that. Yeah. So. <laughs> um. Okay. What Annie? What is your favorite book? No one else has heard of. Okay, this is hard because I have done 410 episodes of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> where I try to tell people about books I like, uh, but I think. The easiest answer for me is Francis and Bernard, which is by Carlene Bauer, which is a backlist title that I, um, and I perhaps love it because of when I discovered it. It was probably the first ARC I ever received as manager of the bookshelf in Tallahassee. And so that, it still feels like magic, but that really felt like magic. Like, what? I get to read a book before it's even published? Like, this is so amazing. Um, but it was a book that I felt like was written for me. It's an epistolary novel. And it is fiction, but based on the friendship, the platonic friendship that Flannery O'Connor had with a male writer and editor. And they write back and forth about 
faith and writing and ambition and creativity. And I adore that book so much. No one ever talks about it. No one ever talked about it when it was published. Like it was, I think it was kind of a blip. Um, she has written a memoir, which I have bought but not read. And then last year she wrote Girls They Write Songs About, which I love and also no one talked about. So I don't know what it is about her because I think she is an excellent writer. Um, but it also feels a little bit like she's inside my brain writing the books like that I really want. Yeah. Um, and so that is, it's a beautiful little paperback book. I love it. You've talked about that one before. I have yeah. to read it. Okay. I, I think you would like, I, and I also like books about platonic relationships. Like yeah. I like books about friendships and where nothing, you know, nothing else. It's like, um, I love the book Fire Sermon, but um, Fire Sermon is the opposite of a platonic uh -huh. relationship. Uh, it becomes a very steamy affair, yes. but they also write a lot of letters and poetry back and forth. But to me, um, Francis and Bernard is like Fire Sermon, but platonic and beautiful. I love that you love platonic. That is so good. <laughs> that's so cute. That is cute. That is so, is so good. good for you. <laughs> um, no, I, um, I'm trying to think of the, like, do I have I read a book that's like, where, like, no. Um, no, I, I think so. I was thinking and I don't, I don't know either. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm trash. What do you want from me? No, um, my favorite book no one else has heard of. It's so funny because I feel like this is a book that, like, I, in my head I just assume everyone else has already read it. But every time I mention it, no one has. But it's uh, Monkeys by Susan Minot. Oh, I've not read it. I think okay, has. so, yeah. I think it's so beautiful. I, I first read it uh, a little bit over a decade ago now. And I just remember... Uh, a professor, like I was like going to like hair, like it was like right before I went to hair school, but like it was around that time. And this professor gave the book to me and was like, I think you'll like this. And I remember reading it, I read it during the fall. And it's one of those things where like you just see like a bunch of leaves and then you're like, and that gets the cold, cold weather kind of like hits yeah. you. And then you're like reading this in it. And it's this collection of linked stories about this family who loses uh, the matriarch. Mm -hmm. And I just think that it's one of those books that is so quiet and so tender, and it also just has a really good font. <laughs> and that is like, and the thing is, is that like I, I remember thinking, I was like, this is so beautiful, and the font is so nice. It's so, it matters. It matters. Books are a work of art. Yeah, yeah. and so I and I just and I don't know. And it's so funny. Like I and it's one of those, and it's one of those books too where I when I when I do realize when I have realized that like so few people have read it. I then have kind of like mm, been really it. yes, and so that I think, but yeah, but I do think I think it's a very beautiful collection. And she's written a lot of. She wrote Evening, which was turned into this like uh, mediocre movie with a lot of great actresses, oh, with like Meryl Streep and Glenn Close and oh, all the people. Okay. So yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, Hunter. Which writers, novelists, playwrights, critics, journalists, poets, working today, do you admire most? Um, there are too many, but, um, I think that, like, I, obviously Lauren Groff, I think that she is one of the, you know, I, th I think, like, every generation has, like, a couple of greats, but I think that she is one who, every single book that she, she's once talked about how, like, she knows that, like, each book she puts out is going to be for a different reader, probably, and she might lose readers each time because she wants it to be, she doesn't want to write the same book over and over again, and I think that she writes about such timeless things even though they feel so like uh, timely uh like you know she's just constantly writing about about the ways that like our world is kind of like crumbling she's talking so she's constantly talking about like human relationships and the dynamics of like of privilege and class and everything it's so fascinating and I, I love that uh i also think alexander chi i i love his nonfiction. i love his fiction um 
and I think that Edinburgh is like could, could be considered a perfect novel. Um, I think that Michael Shaben is great. I talked about him earlier, but I, he wrote this book called The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, which I think you would really like. It's kind of, if you've read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, Cavalier and Clay is kind of to comic books what Tomorrow is for uh, video games. Um, and I think that, um, I think Brandon Taylor is doing great work. I think there's, there's, that's the thing. There's like so many. I could just list them on and on, but I think that, but especially, I think that like if I had to like choose three, it would probably be Lauren Goff, Addison Machine, Michael Shaven. They're the three that like stick in my mind. Um, this is a hard question because I like, I think when we think of writers, we think of authors of fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think about critics who I really yeah. read and trust. So I immediately thought about Wesley Morris from the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Um, I love every time he's on a podcast, I feel like everything he says, I'm like nodding along or like yelling in my car. Like, mm-hmm. yes, that's right. Um, and I think his writing is beautiful. Um, and so I, and I, in fact, I really love to read a book by him. Um, Linda Holmes is a great pop culture commentator to me who I really respect. Our Eric Thomas falls yeah. into that category where mm-hmm. everything he says makes me laugh, but then also think, mm-hmm. um, which I think, it, I think it's really hard to do um, when you're being funny, um, mm-hmm. when you're also being serious. Um, I love, obviously, Marilyn Robinson, Wendell Berry, uh, for some of the same reasons. I like how they grapple with faith in their work. Um, I really like the poet Kate Bear because I like that she's not ashamed that, yeah, she's an Instagram poet, so what? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, she has made poetry accessible. Um, I like uh, Yaa Jesse, who I already mentioned earlier, and I thought about Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Which is, um, I just saw that, and I was yeah. like, why did I say that? That was a, yeah. <laughs> because I, I think to this day, Fleabag season two, which I have seen, oh, I don't know, 20 times. Like, I'm not joking. Like, 20 times. I think it is the perfect TV show. Like, like, Mm -hmm. it is perfect. And the way when a writer can walk away from their work and be like, I'm done. And you might want more, but you really don't. You think you want more, Mm -hmm. but you don't. I'm done. Um, And for a writer to be able to turn away from money and to turn away from... Um, a claim and to be able to say, you know what? No, I'm done with this. I'm going to move on. It's like Warren Groff saying, I'm not going to write another Fates and Furies. I'm going to right. do Matrix, which nobody thinks they want to read, but you do. Yeah. You really do. Uh, and so Phoebe Waller-Bridge is like, I'm going to go over here and write a James Bond movie, which you're like, yeah. Oh. But then you're thinking, okay, I'll, I'll watch that. I've never watched a James Bond movie in my life. I guess I'll watch that one. Like, right. um, so she's another writer where I'm just like, that feels brave to be able to say, I'm done. I'm done with this character. She, yeah. I leave, I'm leaving her where I want her. It's so, I will say, going back to like when you mentioned critics, I was thinking like, and I know that she's a novelist, but I think that Zadie Smith's yes. criticism, like literary criticism is just, and like, any, any of her, any of like her, uh, like cultural, anything that she writes, I'm just constantly like, how did she do? I almost prefer that to her fiction. Oh, same. Well, she wrote this, she wrote this beautiful essay about Joni Mitchell and it's kind of about like her initial like distaste for and struggle to understand why anyone saw anything in Joni Mitchell and then her having this like sudden revelation of her genius and it's like and I like have goosebumps now just because it's like this idea of like I, I think that like because I, I do think that Zadie Smith is probably like at a genius level I think that uh, that uh, who did I say Zadie Smith and Joni Mitchell are both at like genius level and I think that having one genius recognize another genius and like be able to articulate it like because they're because someone's a genius I bet it's like yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. okay Annie what books might people be surprised to find on your shelf um I think 
my brother often teases me because I read a ton of fiction now, right? Um, but in college, I was in the great books program, and my brother is always like, how come you never read those kinds of books anymore? And I'm like, because that's not my job anymore. Like, um, But I think we would be surprised to find a lot of, like, um, classics, obviously, like Homer's Iliad and stuff like that, but also Socrates and Summa of the Summa, and I did read them. <laughs> like, um, and I think people yeah. would just be like, that's weird. <laughs> and it is weird. And because Jordan and I met in those classes together, there are two of each of those books on all of our shelves. Like, because uh, we can't, we refuse to get rid of them. Uh, meditations. Uh, like, I just think of all of these books that, like, probably if you just know me as a reader now, like, you wouldn't associate that as something I would really enjoy. But I really did enjoy them, especially while I was under... Um, such uh, profoundly wise teachers who were guiding me through those works. So I'm really grateful to still have those on my shelves, but I do think when people come into our home, like that's a head scratcher. And then the big like biblical concordances is probably also, <laughs> what are those for? Well, you never know. You might need them. <laughs> I wonder, I'm trying to think if it, it's so funny because like, I feel like I don't know if anyone would be surprised by any of the books that I have on my shelves. Well, you take a lot of pictures of your shelves. I do take a lot. So, yeah, so yeah, everyone kind of knows. Um, I mean, you know, it's so funny because I think that, like, I think maybe, like, just, like, placement would be, it's, like, the thing that would surprise yeah. people. But I, I do have, don't ask me why. I am not Mormon, but I do have the Book of Mormon. <laughs> and I also, ha- and I have it near, uh, I have it near Brave Enough, the Cheryl Strayed, like, Book of Quotes that's, like, inspirational, as well as Oprah's What I Know For Sure. And right. Those belong together. And in my head, absolutely yeah, have a conversation. And in my head, I'm, I'm like, this makes sense. <laughs> so I think that maybe it's just, like, it's maybe just, like, how I set these books together that people yeah. are like, why? What is this? Because books are in conversation. They're probably having a very interesting chat. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Hunter, this is my favorite question. What moves you most in a work of literature? Um, I it's so funny. I think there's this book called On Swift Horses, and uh, it came out a couple back in 2019. And it's a very quiet book, but there's this moment where this one woman she's on the phone with her brother-in-law, and she's speaking very quietly to him, just because she's she's just trying to have like this private private moment alone with him, and and she's it describes her twirling the cord around her finger and slipping down to the floor, kind of like giggling about this like silly thing that he just says. And it feels so bare and intimate in a way that, and, and it's, it's one of those things where like, if, if someone described it, like, I don't know, it just it feels like, like what's the purpose of this description? But it tells you so much about, the, it just feels so, I don't know, it feels so, uh, I wrote it down. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, um, I say when a writer describes someone like, uh, Find details. It makes me feel like I really see the person. Like when their toes are wiggling their socks or any, any of these like little things. It's like, it's like that, that to me is like you're, you're seeing someone. Mm-hmm. And to be able to like, like to describe these physical things that someone are doing and not, not just what's in their head, but like, but like how being in their body is part of who they are. I think that's just beautiful. Um, that answer is why I love having It's why I love talking to you because it's such a beautiful, odd thing to notice. But I think writers recognize it. I think readers notice because it makes you know a character, know a person, know a person intimately. And that's what we're doing when we're reading. Um, so I love being moved in literature. It is to me what marks a great book or a five-star book. Like I really want to be moved when I'm reading. Um, and I thought religious faith re-examined, rediscovered, or destroyed always moves me. Um, redemption that is hard earned always moves me um, and then this is so uh, bleak uh, but the beauty and brutality of death always moves me I am I, I don't know why I am attracted to books about grief but like Listen, that is what I want to read about I am telling you now I like so 
Amy and I, we read, oh, we read The Liar's Club together. You read The Liar's Club. The last page of that book where she's, she's like, like her father, Mary Carr, she wrote The Liar's Club, Cherry and Lynn, um, these three beautiful memoirs, but at the end of The Liar's Club, this is not, I think you know this at the beginning of the book too, but like her father passed away. And the last page of the book is describing this moment where, where she's like knowing her father's passed away and, the, and what happens to his soul. And when I read that, I was like, this... <laughs> it's deeply moving. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that is what moved me in literature. It's yeah. um, because, because it happens to everybody, but we don't talk about it. And we don't. And we're scared to talk about it. It's almost like taboo. And so when a writer is brave enough to talk about it, I love it. Yeah. yeah. And you're organizing a literary dinner party, which three writers, dead or alive, this was awful. Like, <laughs> this is awful. Um, the truth is, my favorite kind of dinner party is the party that I plan and then I'm not present for. Um, I, I want to plan it. I want to put you in the... Actually, it's why pen to plate is so great. Because uh, I just get to observe people having fun, which is my favorite thing to do. I don't like having fun. I like observing people having fun. Controlled fun. Controlled fun. Controlled fun. Um, but this, I thought this was brutal because, to me, it's not about, like, what three authors you like mm -hmm. it's who do you think can be in conversation with each other around the table and i'm convinced we talked about this maybe earlier today in reader retreat not many writers would be fun dinner party convicted mm -hmm. i have been in a room of writers and it's a lot of it's a lot of ego uh it's like i'm not interested so i had to really think about this but i thought immediately i do think jane austen would be a great dinner dinner guest mm -hmm. and i think people often name her because i really do think she would be very snarky and funny. Mm -hmm. um, and I think she would whisper secrets under her breath to you if she trusted <laughs> you. Uh, and so I think she would talk to me about the other people at the table. Um, I think CJ Hauser, who I have met in real life, I would love to talk with her because I'm still convinced, especially when I keep going back to it, I keep going back to The Crane Wife, uh -huh. but it's not just The Crane Wife. I, I realize that Family of Origin is beautiful. So good. Like, I, like, and people, aren't, people don't talk about that book and I don't know I why. Know. Um, Maybe it's his slight incest. I don't. <laughs> I mean, what we, we all need, we all need to read about a little bit. As I was thinking, I was like, wait, maybe that's fine. Um, so I okay, Jane Austen is C.J. Hauser, okay, and this is a terrible. Uh, I couldn't decide between R. Eric Thomas or Louisa May Alcott. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who, who would you rather have? Because I can't decide if Louisa would be a fun hang. Okay. Like, I can't decide, uh, it, like, because she famously, like, had this pillow that helped you know if she was in the mood to talk, which I respect, but I don't think I want her at the dinner party. Um, and then Ari Thomas, I think, would be really funny, and I feel like he and Jane off, I think that'd be hilarious. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That, but I think that was a hard question, because it's not about what authors do you want to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation right. about. It's who do you, what kind of party do you want? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, it's so funny, because, like, I feel like I had a mild experience of, like, I was at a literary dinner party uh, last year and commented the entire conversation. <laughs> and I thought you were delightful. Well, thankfully, I know you are. You come to my house. Yeah. You thank, thankfully, everybody like seemed to like me. But I, I, I did tell us. I, I told several stories. I was like, thank goodness they're laughing because otherwise I'd cry. <laughs> um, but no. But I. But I chose. Uh, it's something I don't know why I didn't choose any of those people because I thought they were, they were great. But it's also because I didn't hear them because I was talking about myself. Um, <laughs> awful. Um, but I chose, and this comes as I chose Lauren Groth, who is a great conversationalist, 
Um, I have talked in a group with her, and she was she does well like in the group. Her and Alexander Chi are friends, and I think that they both bring very different things to the table. And the kind of conversations I want to have with them, I know they would they would have uh, over an old fashioned. And then my third person uh, would be Toni Morrison because I feel like she she is very uh, like she was very like of like she knew exactly what she thought about things and she spoke very confidently about them and. I think that I would cry because I think she would hurt my feelings because she would like, like just let me know and put me in my place. <laughs> and, and I like I like someone to let me feel inferior. Like I like to feel like I like I like to feel like I don't belong. And so I feel like these three people, I feel like I would just like 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 listen to them while having a conversation and then I'd be like, I like to eat chicken spice from my palms. And and they just start crying. Um, and so so yeah, so like but so that's what I chose. Sounds like a fun party. I think so. <laughs> okay, last up for this round, free for all, what do you plan to read next? Oh no, why did I write I did down here? Um okay, what do I plan to read next? Um, well, I just finished Everything's Fine, which I've told multiple people about, like, uh, this weekend, because that's what I literally finished on Friday <laughs> before everybody came. Um, so I just finished Everything's Fine. American Mermaid is kind of in the running. And then I'm trying to decide if, when I, I fly to Boston next weekend, and I'm trying to decide if I want to just go ahead and take Jaber Crow, um, which is going to be my first fiction, Wendell Berry. So I'm trying to decide if that's what I want to go ahead and do, um, before I have to get into like spring summer reading, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm reading. Uh, I'm actually going to be reading the Rebecca Mackay next. That I have some questions for you. I'll I'm, let you know. Okay, let me know because I, yeah. I, I want to know if it's worth it. Erin really liked it on staff. Okay. She really liked it, so I'm curious about it. Thank you, Ashley. Thanks, <laughs> reader retreat happy hour on Friday night. Several of you wrote questions that you wanted us to answer. So we're going to get to those now. If we have a minute or two, we might take some questions from the audience, but we're going to go ahead with these and see where we go. Okay. I get to choose the order. Um, first up, how, Annie, how do you pick the books given in reader retreat bags? Huh. Um, okay, so I was telling somebody else this earlier this weekend. So I pick a book for every reader retreater. Every reader retreater, when they sign up for the trip, uh, tells me a little bit about their reading tastes. Um, some people are very detailed, and then some people are like, fiction. Uh, and, so, <laughs> and so that's fine. Um, and then I specifically only pick books that we have in stock at the bookshelf. So I want to go on a treasure hunt in the bookshelf for you. And I really, I don't spend, this is going to be interesting to people. So I, uh, or I think it might be. Um, so I don't really like shopping. Like I like to go in with a plan and like I buy it and then I'm done. Like I'm not actually a huge browser. Like I've done probably some research and I picked out the pair of jeans that I want and now I'm done. Um, and so that is kind of, I don't spend hours upon hours doing this. I literally like look at their descriptions and then I look at the shelves and I think about what I've read. And I also try, because so many reader retreaters are avid readers, I really want to try hard to pick a book that I don't think they will have read, which is really challenging. So if you are a bookshelf customer, frequent bookshelf customer, I look up your sales history uh, to try to make sure that I'm not duplicating. Uh, and then if you're a shelf subscriber, like I know that. Um, and then I just kind of go to town. And I think for the most part, I am successful. Um, I did one time pick Fleischman in Trouble for somebody. Uh -huh. And I knew going in, I was like, look, the first 45 to 75 pages are very uh, steamy. 
Um, but that's not the point of the book. Uh, and so I think she trusted me. Um, but sometimes I do have to explain my choices uh, because people want to know, well, why did you pick this? But I think if I'm good at my job, I can tell you why. Um, but that is kind of the process is I go downstairs, like I print off the spread. We have, spread Aaron told you, we have spreadsheets. Uh, I print off a spreadsheet and I read the description and then I go hunting amongst the shelves. And it is truly so fun. <laughs> it is super fun. So that's how you know. Okay, this is another uh, bookseller-specific question. How soon do you know if a book is going to be featured as a Reese or Oprah book? Well, that's a good question. They really only tell us that it's an A-level or B-level book club book. Like, we don't actually know. We've gotten pretty good at guessing Jenna's uh, because Jenna and I read similarly. <laughs> uh, and so I try really hard every month to not pick Jenna's book for my shelf subscription. Uh, sometimes I succeed and sometimes I do not uh, because people are real opinionated about that celebrity stamp on their books. Um, and so we, all the publisher will really tell us. And sometimes, like, I just have been doing summer catalogs and it will say, we think this is going to be featured on NPR, on the Today Show. Like, they'll tell us what kind of publicity it's going to get. Um, and then maybe three months out with an Oprah book, it's much larger, like six months out. Um, but most uh, most books, it feels like about a two to three month lead time. And we're only told it's a B-level or an A-level, like, celebrity book. And you can kind of you can kind of guess. Because um, even, I say Jenna's are easiest for us to guess. Reese's feel a little bit out of the, like, a little bit different. Um, yeah. Like, but she also really likes a thriller. And so you can sometimes kind of guess. Um, but that's also a fun game. Okay, Hunter. Uh, this one says, what is your reading history? So I'm thinking maybe your reading origin story. If this is your question, feel free to <laughs> get specific. But My reading origin history? Story. My origin story? You say like somebody that has a master's he does. Um, He's brilliant. I have no. I like. I literally went to hair school, and that's it. Um, I. It's so funny, actually. Like I've talked about this. But, you know, there's this. There's this picture of Marilyn Monroe where she's like she. And she's like reading Ulysses uh, by James Joyce. Joyce. And I think a lot about. Uh, it's so funny because people often like joke about. Oh, like she's like a dumb blonde, and then you have all this history of her being this like interesting poet and this like really great reader who attracted a brilliant but also kind of. It playwright, um, and but I but I think a lot. But you know, I think a lot about uh, I think a lot about how she was so desperate to be an intelligent culture person, right? And and I grew up in this like little dinky trailer park, and I was like, I wanted so bad, and I was such a I when I was in like first or second grade, my granny got a, she was called up to the school, and they were like, oh, Hunter's having problems reading, like he just can't seem to grasp it, and she was like, I don't understand, like he's reading stuff all the time at home. And then she like pulled me in and she's like, they're saying, and I was like, what do you mean I'm having problems reading? No one told me. And, and, and so she was like, okay, well, let's figure it out. So like I got books on tape and I, and I started kind of doing that. And basically my entire life has just been me thinking like, oh, I have, I have to like, I have to know more. I have to, that, that's kind of how it all started was just me feeling like I needed to be smarter and feeling like inadequate and just kind of like using books. To, and whenever I, I didn't go to, I didn't go to college, but I thought, well, while everyone else is in, at college, I'll watch all the Oscar movies and I'll read all the award books. And, um, and so I did, and so I kind of did that. Look, that's and, all you really need. And that's all you really need. And, and the thing is, is that, and then, and then at a certain point I started to realize that, um, that reading made me a better person. It made me kinder. It made me, uh, it made me think more deeply about things and question things. And, and now it's so funny because now I read 
for a lot of reasons, but I'm con- I think it's just because I, I just want answers to everything, you know? Like, I want to know, um, like, I, I, right now I'm, I'm reading about, uh, I think a lot about the intersections of identity in literature because I think that, like, we, we see a lot of people write about how being queer and being a person of color or being whatever, like, like how, these, how these things intersect to, like, as forms of oppression, but we don't talk about how you can be queer and white and that benefit gives you some benefits of privilege and stuff and so, so I'm thinking a lot of and so I'm like basically now I'm just seeking out to see like well what are you guys doing what are you guys not doing like where like I guess now I'm just like questioning publishing in general so it's like so I feel like my history of reading is that I'm just like constantly like curious and stupid and want to know more um <laughs> so stupid. because I think curiosity and we talk about at the bookshelf all the time like what are what I don't think we word it this way. We don't say like, what are our core values? Like we're not that corporate, but I think the word we constantly come back to is curiosity. Like we want to be curious people who ask thoughtful questions. And I think that's what you do. Um, Like, and you're one of the smartest people I know. You don't need a degree. Okay. Let's uh, lighten the mood a little bit. Green. Oh, purple. <laughs> okay, Annie, um, somebody just said, tell us how you did during COVID. <laughs> Personally? <laughs> uh, no, I'll tell you how the bookshelf did, um, which you already uh, pretty pretty well know, but I'll just briefly say that um, March of 2020, we had a reader retreat scheduled. Like, we were on track to do all these really great things that we wanted to do, and then obviously that didn't happen. Um, and I d- it didn't occur. Sometimes... Um, and this is a privilege, a place of privilege thing to say. Um, but I think those early months of the pandemic were so adrenaline fueled mm-hmm. that there are times where I'm like, I know how this is going to sound. There are times where I'm like, I miss that. Here's what I mean. I miss that it was just like you were just making decisions without, there was no time to think. <laughs> it was really just like, here's what we're going to do today. Today, Olivia and I are going to process orders. We're going to post something to Instagram that make people maybe want to buy something. Uh, we're going to restock puzzles. Uh, we're going to ship everything. Um, we're going to listen to Britney Spears while we do it. Cause we're really hanging on by a thread. And so like, um, like you just kind of made these gut decisions, um, that then later when decisions felt impossible to make, I was envious of old Amy, who was just like, just do it. <laughs> just do, like, just do one foot in front of the other um, because it felt so critical to just respond quickly. Like, it felt really critical to be like, okay, we're going to close to the public. Um, we're going to send part-time booksellers home. Um, if we can, we'll give them some work to do from home, but it's just going to be me and Olivia. Um, and that was a decision that really, I literally made overnight. Like, I'm going to keep my 40 hour week employee. Uh, we're going to do our best and we're going to see what happens. And then, you know, two months go by <laughs> and you're like, can we bring somebody back in uh, safely? How can we do that? Like Lucy would come in at five in the morning, nursing Gabriel and like she would leave and then we would come back. Cause it also felt dangerous. We were like, I don't know what's safe. Um, and so those early days of the pandemic, it's not that I look back on them with fondness, but in a weird way, they felt simpler than what was coming next. <laughs> uh, and what came next was harder for me, uh, which was making decisions that didn't make my community happy, <laughs> or it made some members of my community happy, and then some people still don't shop with us to this day. Um, or I'm going to make a decision that I think is the best for my team, 
but it's a risk. Um, and so all of that was so exhausting. Um, and honestly, uh, to me, 2023 is the first time that it, that doesn't feel like it's looming as heavy because even 2022 felt like, like, if you think back to last winter, it was still awful. (laughs) It was still awful. And, um, this, I think this, the holiday season of 2022 felt like the first normal holiday season we'd had in a while where our online sales and our in-store sales felt about even, um, we were able to do in-store things in a safe way that pleased our community. Um, I don't know. I, that is how we did it. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I promise I was listening. I like I'm already confident. But like, but like your outfit is so cute that I was like taking all of it in. I was taking all of it in, like your like the accessories, everything, it's so well put, like yeah, the bracelet, the shoes. I was like, this is so cute. And I kept thinking, I was like, I was like oh gosh, I gotta say this, but I need to pay attention. Um, anyway. Thank you so much. Yes. Okay, pay attention to this one. This is for both of you. Who do you wish would write the fictionalized novel of Pete Davidson's love life? (laughs) Do you have an answer? Um, I have to, like, brainstorm. Do you have an answer? Okay, I think uh, this person already kind of told me what they thought, but I think it's Alyssa Sussman um, who wrote Funny You Should Ask. That's what I think. Okay. You haven't read her yet, but... Otessa Moshbeg. Okay. Because I think that she would do the weird, like, because you know it's uncomfortable, weird. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't know if I want to know this, but I kind of want to know it. That could be the version you read. Okay. I'll read the cute rom com version. What if, yeah, what, if, what if that's the thing where like, the publishers hire like six people to do six different versions of Pete Davidson's love life? They might as well, one for each woman. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> should I do this? For yes, women? yes, you should. Which one, do you order, which one do you want them to cover for you? Mm, like the closed door yeah. in Kardashian. That's what I want. Oh, okay, That's fine. probably the weirdest one. So maybe, oh, you, sh- maybe you should. I should, them. yeah. Name like, me some other options. Who else did he date? Kate Beckinsale. Mm. Which one? Is she, she, oh, she's that, that like... Vampire. Yeah, vampire, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Serendipity. Serendipity. Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. Oh, that'd be so That's fun. What That's what I cute. want. That's you cute. Take you, take you next. Yes. Oh. Alyssa Sussman should write that. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Okay, I think we're I think we're good. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Cammie Tidwell, Chantal C., Kate O'Connell, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Lori Johnson. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see write a review and tell us what you think. 
Or if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support, front porch friends, book club companions, and bookshelf benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.